here tonight. So good to see all your wonderful faces. Um, if you haven't met me, yeah, my name's Deanna. And yeah, I have the privilege of being on staff here at Bracco as the children's ministry assistant. And I've been working here for about a year now. And as some, as, you know, as some of you know, we've had a members meeting and in that meeting, it was announced that I'll be continuing my contract here for another three years. So that's super exciting. Yep, you're stuck with me for three years. Um, <laughs> no, I'm really keen, I'm really excited. Um, and with that comes a title change and some added responsibility. So after June, I'll be known as the um, children's worker. And as the team and I were sort of deciding this title change, I was also considering adding another one, Gen Z interpreter. Yep, yep. Because around the office, I often school people in the art of Instagram and the art of the Gen Z language. I'm a Gen Zer myself. I thought I was a millennial, and then I got told by Dave Luthy that I'm a Gen Zer, and I weeped. Um, kidding, Gen Z all the way. Um, but remaining down with the use is hard because, yeah, so many words can mean so many different things. For example, I was watching videos on TikTok because take my role here really seriously. Um, and someone was talking about manifesting, manifesting for a job. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, they're just, they're just wishing for this thing to come true, wishing for a job. But I wasn't too sure if I was right. Um, so I did some research to be able to understand this concept because take it seriously, guys, no mucking around with me. Um, and manifesting is huge, it's massive. There's a whole website called manifesting.com about it. That's when you know it's real. That's when you know it's real. And this website explains, for those of you who don't know what manifesting is, explains that manifesting is cultivating the experience of what it is you want to feel, so happiness or a job or freedom from financial stress, whatever it is, and then living and believing in that experience so that you can allow it to come to form. They say that when you align with the loving energy of the universe, there's no limits to what you can attract. But manifesting isn't about just getting everything you want, it's about letting go of control for you to become a magnet for what you desire. So essentially, manifesting is like when your internet isn't working and you want your video to load and so you pretend you don't care in hopes that it loads faster. That's what manifesting is. The issue with manifesting is that people only want good things to happen to them and, and we all want that. But they believe that if something bad happens that they aren't manifesting right or in our context, don't have enough faith. And it's very selfish, and it leans on an unfirm foundation, the universe. And even when they say that manifesting is about letting go of control and leaving it up to the universe, in reality, people are still trying to cling to control that they cannot have and will never gain. Even as Christians, we can also, we, yeah, we cannot um, gain full control of our lives. And this is what we're gonna be exploring tonight. Ash did an amazing job last week speaking about how James explores the need for submission to God in our lives. And this continues in our, pa in our passage tonight um, in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. James is still passionate about this need for submission for God and is now focusing on our future and our need to entrust it to him. Let's pray. Oh, let's pray. Let's read. Sorry. Um, it says... What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Oh, wait, I think I'm the wrong one. Sorry. What a great way to start. <laughs> now listen to you who say, 
Today or tomorrow, we will go do this. Um, we will go to this or to that city. Spend a year there. Carry on our business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You, that you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, "If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that." And it is you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Let's pray now. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for your word. And I ask you through your Holy Spirit to help yeah, it speak to us now, Jesus. Amen. When we read this passage, it can be easy to say, yeah, all right, I'm just going to get rid of my calendar and I'm just going to focus on trusting God. That's all I'm going to do. Or even to just walk away and say, nah, it's too hard. Or even just to think all we have to do is change our language to if God wills. So we're going to try and understand this text and then we're going to apply it. The first thing we need to understand is that James is not making an argument against making careful plans. So if you're in the first camp of throwing your calendar away, bring it back in. But James is saying that the issue here is that God is not included in the plans that we make. That as followers of Christ, we ought to include God, or we're no different to the rest of the world, boasting about a life. James is confronting the notion that God actually owns us, and he owns our business. And like Ash said last week, he cares how you and I live. He also states at the end of the passage that if we know what the right thing to do is, which is recognize that God's will is the best will, and we don't submit to it, for us, it's actually sin. James recognizes that the people he is writing to call themselves followers of Christ, yet they're independent from the God to which they claim to follow. I was reading this commentary on this passage, and it says this, Self-reliance and independence rightfully belong to God. But it's really easy, isn't it, to become self-reliant and independent? And it's actually embedded in our culture. A study conducted by a man named Hofstede in 1980 determined that there are different dimensions that cultures around the world are attributed to. And one of the dimensions Australia ranked highest in, 90 out of 100 in, was individualism. We have a lack of connection with one another and little sharing of responsibility. And this is so evident even, even today in the your truth is your truth and the you do you statements that are echoed in our society. Despite these statements seeming to come from a loving place of respecting people's choices, they actually show us a lack of care for one another. Your friend is dating someone that you don't think is good for them or maybe they're you know, going into activities that are causing chaos in their life. Whatever the situation is, it's okay. You do you. I don't care enough to interfere. And it's also a stance of, well, if I say this, I expect you to treat me the same way. We've been taught treat others how we want to be treated. Okay, I'll stand as far away as possible so that people do the same because I don't want to be told what to do. We not only do this to our peers, but we do this to God. We distance ourselves from him because we don't want to be confronted. We don't want to change. And it's also our way of trying to remain in control because who knows what God will call us to do. Maybe it'd be something that's really scary or even something that we don't want. 
James sees this attitude and says in verse 14 to 15, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James recognizes and submits to God's sovereignty and says, we need to do that as well. He's saying that those who call themselves Christians um, and they don't have this recognition and they don't submit to God, what is your life? Who, who even are you? God is the creator and the saviour of all of our lives and of our future, yet we live it as though he's not even there as our way of trying to gain control. Now, there's a problem with trying to gain control. It's that we're never going to have it. And that's really scary. As a person who struggles with anxiety, I, I crave control. Absolutely crave it. Yet we can never have it to its fullest extent because we don't, we don't know the future. Only God does. We can, we can plan and, you know, those are wise things to do, but we don't actually know the future. We know through COVID and other situations that life is uncertain. One day we're in a lockdown and the next is, it's flooding and the next we don't have any lettuce. All these things happen. You, you would think we got a handle on not having control by now but we, we cling to it even more in these situations. James compared us to being a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes. Our lives, however long they feel, they are short and death will come. Now this is really gloomy um, and please don't think that James is just one of those people that's just super awful when you complain or go through a trial, says, oh, well, you know, we're all going to be dead soon, so it doesn't really matter. Instead, he's actually illustrating our massive need for us to rely on God when we live our daily lives and when we make plans for the future. A quote by John Weasley says, realizing the future is uncertain not only teaches us to trust God, but it helps us properly value the present. To be obsessed with future plans may work our failure to appreciate the present blessings or our evasion of present duties. Now, this is kind of clunky language, um, but basically what John is saying is that to be obsessed with the future, to be obsessed with end goals, the end of uni, the money goal that you have, whatever it is, will actually make us less appreciative of what we have now and makes us forget or evade present duties, such as caring for one another because of our busyness. An example of this is sort of, yeah, in my own life. As you know, I'm gonna get married to the wonderful Eamon, who's up at the back there. Yay! Um, and yeah, it's been a really exciting time for us. It's been a really, really exciting time for us to be able to plan for our wedding. The other day, we were on a walk and we were organizing the type of food we'd like to have on our honeymoon and talking about all the yummy, yummy dishes and our future together is like, yeah, really, really exciting. And it can make us say things like, oh, I'm so excited to, you know, see you every day and I'm so excited to, you know, buy a switch with you when we move out. We're buying a switch, just BT doves. And, and it's not a bad thing to be excited about the future and it's not a bad thing to, to plan to buy a switch. You know, switches are awesome. No, it's not a bad thing to, you know, plan for the future. And, and it's actually necessary for us to do that. But every now and again, I will ask Eamon, but what do you enjoy about our relationship 
Now, for me, it's the ability to come home to no one and to buy chocolate and to know it's going to be in the fridge when I get home and that no one else will have eaten it. I've heard that's like a really big one to work through in marriage, so I'll see how we go. Planning our lives is a really wise thing to do. And it can even be really fun and it can be really exciting as well. But we must, as those who call themselves followers of Christ, actually follow him and include him in our planning. We also must not forget the gift of today, which God gives us to be used for him. Now, it'd be nice to sort of end on that note, but it's not very practical. Because while knowing these statements are great, that God knows the future and we can trust him and, you know, our lives are a gift, it just turns into Christian manifesting, hoping for the future and that it'll align with our desires. And we can often think that including God is just saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do this tomorrow. I'm going to put my money in this. I'm going to go do these things. And that's just taught, you know, informing God of something he already knows. While I'm not diminishing the fact that you're talking to God, this is not submission to him. We need to invite God into our lives. We need to submit to him, to give him control of our money, give him control of our days, our minutes. And if we do this, we also need to understand this reality as well, that God never promises as followers of Christ that we will live happy lives, lives that fill our desires, we see this in Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus says, um, he says to his disciples that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. A book called Live No Lies by John Comer says, Jesus' call to follow him is a call to die. If not in body, then at least figuratively in self-denial. This is a call that's actually repeated in all four gospels. And in a world that screams fulfillment, the idea of saying no to yourself but yes to Jesus can, can seem crazy. Many of us can't fathom a vision of a good life that doesn't involve getting what we want. The thing about desires and temptation as a whole is, in reality, they're desirable. You want them, they're easy to get, and it, and it makes you feel good. I think we often see temptation as this ugh, like yucky thing, gross, who would ever go into temptation? Who would, ever, who would ever go into sin? Who would ever do that? But we can't be tempted by something that we don't want. Guys, I don't like cake, don't hate me for it, don't like cake, but I can't be tempted by it. We had a cake, banana cake, that came into the office the other day, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want it, I'm okay. We're tempted by what we want and by what we actually think we need as well by our desires for today and our desires for the future. We need to submit these desires to God. I used to, and sometimes still do, because you know, giving our desires to God is a, is a lifelong thing. I desire to be independent. I used to joke and sometimes still do joke to people saying, don't tell me what to do. Um, it's probably not a very good joke. <laughs> and yeah, I realized that this is a really big issue because it went to the point of never asking help for, yeah, to anyone for anything. Because, yeah, I just felt like no one wanted to help me or that I couldn't ask for help. And I, everything I had to do became way too much. Felt like I was dying by a thousand cuts by all the things that I was doing. 
yeah, as I said, I struggle with my thoughts. I believed I could never really ask for anything, so I thought I'd be putting people out. I didn't think anyone loved me enough to actually help me. And I also believed that people would stop loving me if I asked. I've had this truth repeated both directly and indirectly throughout my childhood and teenage years. That's, that's just why I believed it. And then I started my internship at Kids Church training, and through that time, Cass was training me to be a new leader in that space as she was pregnant. And it was, yeah, super fun. But I realized that I can't do this without God. I felt so anxious every time I w would walk in front of those kids, being like, I'm going to say something wrong. I, I can't do this. I'm not going to say the right thing. And you know, directing other leaders was pretty much my own nightmare <laughs> because I was thinking, who am I to ask these people to listen to me? And also, I just hated asking for help. <laughs> I just absolutely hated it. So I went to God, which, which wasn't easy to do because, again, I hate asking for help. And, and I asked where he was because I actually thought God wasn't there. Because through my busyness and through my obsession of this future goal of becoming leader in that space, through my need for control, I lost sight of the one who truly had it. And I evaded present duties such as rest and, and caring for myself and, and keeping in set with the Spirit, praying to God and, and caring for those around me as well. I prayed, for, I prayed to God and I asked him to show me his presence and yeah, to help me lean on his strength in my time of need. And as I was sort of just talking to God and telling him how I was feeling and, and everything that was going on, I realized my actions. I realized that I had been living independent from him. And while I was working for him in kids' ministry, I was not working with him. I apologized and I repented to God and I asked him to remind me of, of his presence. And yeah, I submitted my goals to him. And God has answered my prayers. He's shown me his, his beautiful presence in the amazing cold sunsets that we get now and through the amazing people that we have that encourage us to keep going. It's, it's hard to change our bad habits, but it begins at changing our desires and hoping, yeah, getting our desires to reflect the desires of God and God desires for us to be close with him. And so we can do this. But how? First, we must put our desires to death, or at least in their proper place, below God. The, you know, sometimes coming up here and saying that the answer is prayer feels really, really silly. Um, but it's true. Prayer is our way of connecting and communicating with God. Prayer actually shows our dependence on God rather than reliance on self. And this is where we can grow, where we can repent, where we can be loved. I study at Malian College, which is a um, theological Bible college, which is super fun, would highly recommend. Um, and my recent subject was called Theology and Practice for Ministry. And it's basically how to be a disciple and how to disciple, you know, 101. And every single lesson, I felt like, you know, I was just kind of being screamed at, which is <laughs> keep in step with the Spirit, read the Bible, you know, make sure you rest, pray, you know, yeah, keep with, in step with the Spirit every single time. And so that's what we must do, keep in step and remain with God. And this is going to sound a little bit clunky, but remain, remain with me. 
not give our futures to God because, guys, he already has it. But trust him with it. When making decisions, going to him for guidance. I honestly understand and was and sometimes, because, you know, this is a journey, we're going through a journey, I'm still in the camp of being afraid of coming to God. I'm, I'm afraid of looking into the mirror. I am afraid of change. Afraid that God will call me into something I don't think I can do. I'm a massive Moses at the burning bush, but God, he does promise to love us and does promise to correct us in love and that in the things he calls us to do, it's not our strength, but it's his. And we see this all throughout the Bible. At the falling down of the Jericho wall, the defeating of Goliath, the resurrection of Jesus, the opening of prison gates for Paul, parting of the Red Sea, Pentecost, and many more. James says we cannot make plans apart from God. And he's right. We must understand that every breath we have been given, every breath that we're breathing now, and every breath that we are going to be given is from God. God is sovereign. And if we are to call ourselves followers of Christ, we must recognize his sovereignty, that our lives are his, that they belong to him, and that his will, even when it seems scary to us, it is good. I, um, I have the absolute pleasure of teaching RI at Bald Hill State School, and, and most of the kids there you know, don't come from Christian families, um, or maybe, you know, haven't stepped inside a church, and they'll have so many questions, which is so awesome, and some of them are really hard. Um, and I'm like, good question. <laughs> um, but one thing that, you know, God's been helping me teach them is that even in your questions, even in your doubts, does this stop God from being good? Does this stop God from being the creator of the world? Does this stop God from loving us? Does this stop Jesus rising on the cross? No, it doesn't. And while it's good, it's really great to have questions because they can actually strengthen our relationship with God. Nothing can stop his love. I'm gonna invite the band up now and we're gonna sing a new song, a uh, new song. We're gonna sing a song called New Wine and it says, God, I came here with nothing but all you've given me. God has given us our lives. Let's live it with him. And so I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to invite you, you know, you can repeat my prayer um, if you would like. Um, but if not, maybe say your own prayer to God. And yeah, if you've been really feeling God, like how I felt with my uni, of God saying, pray, be with me, be with me, I would ask yourself, what's stopping me? What's stopping me from being, the, being with the creator of the world who has my future in his hands? Let's pray. Lord, I know I don't know what the future holds, but we are glad that you hold the future. Help our desires sit with yours and for us to be corrected where need be. Help us recognize, yeah, your sovereignty in our daily life, Lord. Help us not forget who you are. We love you, Jesus. Correct us and give us, yeah, the right ways to do that, Lord, whatever that looks like for our individual lives. Amen.